Welcome to the Bounty Zero X podcast. I'm your host, Angelo Adam, founder and CEO of Bounty Zero X. Bounty Zero X is a decentralized bounty hunting network powered by the BNTY token. Today is June 12th, 2018, and my guest on the show is Nick Shupak of Sportscaster. Nick is the VP of Community at Sportscaster. While attending Syracuse University, Nick started an independent music artist management agency called Citizen Music, which operated as an AirSAS label management and booking agency for over a decade. He then left artist management in 2011 to manage a venue on Manhattan's Lower East Side. Thereafter, he segued into technology when an idea to develop a democratized music social network materialized. And from there, he works on a number of projects in the social media space before becoming part of the Sportscaster team in 2016. Nick, welcome to the Bounty Zero X podcast. A sincere pleasure to be here. Thanks, Angelo. So for listeners out there they're, who are not familiar with Sportscaster and FanChain, uh, Sportscaster is a platform where Users can interact with teams, uh, various sports teams, and they can also purchase in-app items. And they can also do something really unique with the audio of the recording so that they can, in in essence, be their own announcers for any game that's being played. Did I get that right? Or which parts am I wrong about in my uh, description? It, it was it was good. I, I wouldn't mind revising uh, a little bit of it, though, if that's all right with you. Yeah, feel free. So from the onset, um, we recognized that the one part of the viewing experience, when you're talking about watching something not in the stadium but on a device, be it a television, a computer, or a telephone, that was not able to be personalized was the commentary. So whether you are looking to have your sports commentary regionalized, that is spoken in your native tongue, or whether you're looking for a different sort of presentation that is not your Kevin Harlan or Marv Albert giving you the commentary, but it's instead perhaps someone your own age, perhaps someone your own style or more of your culture, we wanted to give the fans the access, the ability the open platform to both be the sportscaster and choose the sportscaster. That's really a brilliant idea because nowadays everything is becoming more structured in a way where the listeners and the fans are actually participating in creating the content. So instead of being just a passive listener, a passive participant, nowadays we're seeing a shift, not just in sports, but in many different platforms to one where Users who are would traditionally just be sitting on a couch watching a TV show are now becoming more involved in in creating the content, and this is applicable in, in many different areas. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that that's have you noticed that shift also? And do you have any thoughts about that? No, I haven't noticed the shift, and I have no thoughts. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I, I, absolutely, you hit you hit the nail right on the head. I like to think about. So many of the recently emerging technologies, among those cryptocurrency, which I'm sure we will touch on in a little bit, and streaming technologies and the fact that the whole world is so mobile and that mobile users, particularly the savvy ones, are young, 
has manifested in a generation of completely new iterations of media consumption and distribution. So to that end, what we're seeing, for instance, when we examine the cord cutting phenomenon is viewers are no longer satisfied with being spoon fed their content, whether that's commentary on sports, whether that's commentary on news or most any other sort of delivery package of content. Users, particularly young ones, and by young, you could mean the 14-year-old with his or her iPhone, or you could mean the guy in his mid-30s who acts young and is perfectly tech-savvy. So young really covers the spectrum of generations. They would much rather send digital gifts that cost them money to buy to content creators that are meaningful to them with whom they identify and who they enjoy and can interact rather than send $100, $200, $300, whatever it might be out the door to some monolithic entity like a Time Warner Spectrum or some other uh, provider like that. So I think you're absolutely right. And that's something that we recognized pretty early on when we were developing Sportscaster. Modern users not only want to get involved, they expect to get involved. And if the media entities don't adapt to that shift quickly, they're going to get left behind. So let's, I want to talk about the fan chain product. And well, before that, why don't you tell me first the relationship between Sportscaster and fan chain? We began developing Sportscaster maybe a little over a year ago now, year and a half. It, it, it becomes a little difficult to identify the exact starting time. But suffice it to say, we've been developing Sportscaster for about 18 months. From the beginning, um, along the lines of what you and I just discussed, we knew that we would have a digital economy. It was critical to empower the users to reward one another for good content. And it was important that the people coming on as our content creators, as our commentators, had an avenue to develop real relationships with the people who were consuming their content. So from the beginning, we knew that we would have some sort of an economy within Sportscaster, the application. As we developed in through alpha and into beta, we began to recognize that certain blockchains provided us the flexibility we needed to enable the personalization we wanted in our economy and also provided a seamless, frictionless method by which user A can reward user B for good content and thus gave rise to FanChain, which is the Ethereum-based cryptocurrency that we have developed, and Sportscaster is the first mint, the first distributor of that cryptocurrency. Okay, I understand now. It's very interesting that you guys first started with Sportscaster and then later on developed the fan chain component, which interacts with the Sportscaster ecosystem. Yeah, exactly, exactly. From the outset, we wanted to be something very personal and very open. A quick bit of background, which I think is is pretty important to know. Our CEO, Kevin April, and CTO, Peter Azoulis, had, had worked together for quite a while. 
And Kevin's background going back to the time he was a teenager was always in building digital communities. And through these communities, he was able to support true and meaningful interactions between and among people across the globe. So when we set out to make Sportscaster, it was really Kevin's vision to ensure that we were being honest to our users and giving them uh, a space where they could be honest to one another. And in cultivating that sense of honesty, he and we agreed with him, recognized that it was going to be important for viewers to be able to reward the content creators who were providing them entertainment and providing real value for them. So, so yes, for, from the outset, it was critical that we had a sense of an economy. And we recognized as we developed that the blockchain provided us exactly the tools that we needed to create that economy. As you mentioned, you guys have put together a talented and skilled group of individuals who are working on this project. And your CEO is Kevin April. And then you also have number of high-profile advisors who have joined the project to give their expertise, and one of whom is uh, David Cern. Is that right? That's right. Yes. So you have been working on this project for quite a while. So it's not something, it, this is not the type of project that was just dreamt up last week and a couple of people decided to just quickly throw together a white paper. This is something that has been in the work for quite a long time and has a lot of thought that has been put into it. And as you mentioned, the Sportscaster app has already been developed. And can users just get that on the App Store currently? Or is that is that released yet for the public? Absolutely. So Sportscaster has been in an open and public beta since last October. It is a pretty darn substantial application at this point. We will consider ourselves out of beta and into fully baked version 1.0 this fall when we have integrated FanChain. Um, thus far, we've already integrated certain really cool things that most betas wouldn't have, like a, a great augmented reality set of features and discovery tools that enable users to connect to one another. So as far as a beta goes, we're pretty darn fully baked. And you are correct in saying that this was not something that was cobbled together quickly. We've been both methodical, but also we have moved forward with a great, with, with very serious intent. We, Kevin's vision of this thing and his experience has enabled us to develop a roadmap from day one and really follow step by step all of the things that we needed to follow to ensure that we are developing a product that people would ultimately find user-friendly and a lot of fun. And I don't think we have defined yet exactly what the Sportscaster app does. I mean, we mentioned earlier that content creation is being made primarily by new times, new types of content creators. And I think you briefly touched on it. So with this app, a user can download it and then they can provide commentary for a sports event. And then other users can listen to that commentary while they're watching uh, the event. And this is like major league sports types of events like football, baseball, that kind of thing. It's really any sport. So what we have uh, currently available in the beta is what you could term a second screen experience where if I am playing the part of the commentator, I go onto the Sportscaster app. 
I go live, I choose whether I'm using the selfie camera or the, the external camera. And I watch the game along with all of the other people in the world who are watching the game and many of whom might be tuning in to me and using the live chat so that we can actually be interacting while we're watching the game. We are currently developing and awaiting, well, we've actually received a couple of patent approvals on technology that will enable us to synchronize viewers and broadcasters across the globe as they watch the same game. As as anyone who's ever talked to friends on the phone during a live sporting event, you know that different cable services and satellite services deliver the games with uh, different delays. So we've, we've we've been working on some pretty damn cool technology in that respect. What we rolled out actually quite recently during a Dragon Ball Fighter Z tournament in Las Vegas was what you could deem a first screen experience, where like something you would see on Twitch, you are watching the broadcast live of the tournament itself. So you're seeing the game action and layered on top of it are your sportscasters who are delivering the live commentary. So rather than watching one thing on your television, which is the broadcast, and then another stream on your phone, which is the broadcaster, we rolled out technology uh, just two weeks ago that layers the two one on top of the other. And something pretty neat about that rollout was the ability for the viewer to switch between commentators and the live chat that comes along with each commentator um, without ever leaving the main broadcast. So I could be watching one second in Japanese, quick click of a button or swipe of a finger, and now I'm watching the game in Spanish or English. So the first model that you mentioned reminds me of like typical, I think this is fairly common, people listen to just the audio version of baseball games, let's say when they're driving through their radio or nowadays streaming. And I think that's mostly with baseball. I, I think primarily that's the sport where people just listen to the audio version of it from of the of the announcer announcing the game. And so this is this would be the equivalent of that where you're just listening to the the audio without any video laid on top of it. But if you happen to be in front of the TV at the time, you could also, if you wanted, to watch the game happening on mute while streaming the audio that uh, someone is announcing through the app. But as you mentioned, there were some issues relating to the latency. So you guys developed this lens-to-lens latency of less than two seconds. So what was behind that, and and how are you reducing that latency time down even further? So any time during this interview that we delve into anything super technical, I'm going to have to say in that very... Mark Zuckerbergian sort of way. I'll have my team get back to you on that. Uh, as, as, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm VP of community, so I don't want to misspeak if I'm representing myself as anybody uh, hyper technical. What I will say to that point, though, is from the ground up and from day one, we recognize that live sports happens quite literally live. You can't be watching along with somebody and one person is five seconds behind and another person is 30 seconds behind while everyone in the stadium is seeing it happen in real time. So we recognized from the onset that we would have to take care of this issue. So what we have at the moment is a very low latency delivery system. And what we will have in the very near future is a tool that will enable all people 
watching a particular commentator to be perfectly synchronized with each other and with the broadcast. And and I, I also wanted to add a, a quick note on top of something you said, which I quite liked when you're talking about people enjoying listening to baseball games. It, it reminds me of my best friend's father, instead of watching the Yankee game on TV, used to take a walk through the park and listen to it on his radio. And we provide that sort of experience if that's what you're into. But what we're first and foremost all about is providing that social layer along with that commentary. So rather than simply listening to the baseball game in a completely passive sense, you can be engaged in the live chat and come version 1.0, you'll be able to reward your commentators with digital gifts. Can anyone just register and start becoming an announcer for uh, a sport without any prior experience. So let's say you, you know, had always wanted to be an announcer. I thought it would be something that you would be good at, but you have another job and you couldn't really leave your job to become an announcer, given that not that many people can become announcers since up till now, there's only been a couple announcers for each game. But now there could be literally anyone could just immediately become an announcer. And so this really, what does this do for the market of announcers out there? So it's making it turn into what was once this monopoly where you could only have a few people be announcers to anyone can become an announcer and, and everyone has their own following and their own style. And so what have you seen with respect to the, the people, the users out there who what type of users are these are the end users who use the app? To your initial question, a uh, very simple answer, yes. Anyone can either go to sportscaster.com because we work both on the web or via the app in the app store. Anyone can jump in and become the commentator. What we've recognized, I'll take a quick half a step back. And, and I, I sometimes think that storytelling is the best way to represent something. So we sponsored a sports broadcasting summer camp last summer. So it was kids aged anywhere from nine to about 15 who had the dream of someday becoming sports broadcasters, sort of an ideal fit for us. And we had almost every single one of the kids go live and a great number of them become somewhat hooked to using Sportscaster even as we were just in beta and weren't necessarily onboarding tens of thousands of users a day. And one of my roles here as VP community is to be a moderator. So I watch every single stream. I make sure the stream comes through clearly. Um, I will nominate certain streams to go to the top of our discovery channels, and I'll promote them across our social channels as well. And what was really quite a moving experience for me was seeing a lot of these kids come on for the first time and be quite hesitant and quite nervous in a shell, uh, some of them were. And over time, as they heard their own voices and got more and more comfortable using the platform, you could see the confidence grow in them. And to see this happen in kids was really a wonderful experience for me. And for all of us in the office to see that our platform was having a meaningful impact on someone's life. So that lends credence to the mission of allowing anybody to become the broadcaster. 
too many gatekeepers in this world. You, many of the people who are going to be listening to this interview are in the cryptocurrency world. And I think that overall, what we've recognized from that universe is a denial of the gatekeeping methods of the old world. And for us, we recognize those methods manifesting in the sports world in, in a very uh, destructive way. Look, I think Kevin Harlan is a great announcer. I may continue to listen to him for some games. I may choose to go on to Sportscaster and get something totally new, a breath of fresh air, see what's out there and become interactive in the community that we're able to create. But first and foremost, when creating any community, whether it's in the real world or it's digital, you have to empower people. And so that's why we have the platform the way it is, which is an open place, a safe place where people can come on and try their hand at being a, a commentator, find their community, find new friends, and just be part of something where sports fans all across the globe come together to be a family. I want to ask you about the business side of this and what pushback have you gotten from the leagues who may claim for legal reasons you can't, this is copyrighted material and by using it, you're, you know, infringing on some, some legal, legal rules. Uh, I know you guys have, you know, worked a lot on making sure that you guys, it, all of the, you know, the legal rules, the legal requirements are, are met. But can you comment a little bit on, on what type of arrangements were necessary in order to make sure that, you know, this idea that you guys have could actually be implemented? without any copyright issues or things of that nature. So as you had mentioned previously, among our advisors and investors is Commissioner Emeritus David Stern. So we have indeed been very conscientious to remain on the right side of any existing law and any regulation we think might come up. We've been pretty conservative and, and, and very down the middle with our approach in, in those regards. So to this point, we haven't even encroached on anything that could be conceived or construed to be a, a violation of, of copyright law. That's why, for instance, the application that you'll find in the App Store enables a user to go live and point the camera at him or herself or out of the ball field as they're commentating a friend's softball game or at the TV, if they're pointing the phone at the television and there's copyrighted material up there, technically we are sequestered from regulation via the DMCA, but we're also, we're normal people. We understand that we are not the owners of the content, so we will gladly comply with any takedowns requested of us. And, and to this point, we haven't run into any, any issue there whatsoever. And as we gradually roll out the technology that I mentioned before that enables the broadcast to come through the sportscaster delivery system and enable us to layer on top of that our live commentators, we've always had the license to do so. So when we when we did that with the Dragon Ball Fighter Z tournament, we were not even close to violating anything. Have you guys seen users who take their live streams and then upload them onto YouTube or other third-party applications or 
is there a way to save your recording? Of, say, let's say you recorded a game as an announcer and you're really happy with it and you want to listen to it again or replay it. Is there any way that you could save that recording and then rewatch it or let other people rewatch it at a future date? Any stream that a sportscaster creates on our platform is saved in their profile and they can share that on Twitter. They can share it on Facebook. They can copy the link and text or email it to friends and family. And we allow them to download it. If you want to upload your sportscaster stream to YouTube, be our guest, we say. And this is also interactive so that uh, we haven't explicitly mentioned this, but the users who are announcing can interact with the listeners through the chat application. So there's a live chat going on in real time. Is that correct? And how does that work? Absolutely. Yes, that is correct. So I, I can tell you I was watching a Knicks game, and this was very early on after we developed the application. So this was a, a pretty raw alpha version. And I was just giving it a test, figured I'd turn it on, see if anybody was live. And it so happened that someone I met a couple of times and we discussed being involved with the project was live talking about the Knicks game. So I had him live on my computer and I was chatting with him there while I was also sportscasting from my phone and he was chatting with me there. And we had this really fun interaction where we were just two avid sports fans talking to each other who otherwise would never even have met each other. So yeah, the, the live chat was an integral component in Sportscaster. And it's the way that we think that your modern user wants to see their content distribution, the, the way that they view sports to be upset, that they want their cages rattled and they want to be able to chat with people and ultimately send them digital favorite commentators for sending them those digital gifts. And there's this entire ecosystem of uh, sort of a feedback of reward loops. And so that's why we thought it was absolutely critical to, to have the live chat from day one, because if you can't interact with your commentator, then might as well just flip on the TV. And uh, that's pretty boring. So what are some unanticipated use cases that you've seen that you weren't expecting when you initially thought of the idea that people ended up using it for? You know, a lot of the times people develop like a platform and they have this one use case in mind. And then it ends up being the case that end users end up using it for something that may not have initially been what the developer had intended or expected. Are there any cases similar and with your application where you had seen end users start to use the platform in ways which you maybe had not anticipated originally? Thus far, the very honest answer is that since we've been in beta and therefore have not marketed to accrue a great number of users, the number of use cases that are outliers at all have been limited. That having been said, it's been a pleasure to see the users who have really been early adopters of the platform use this in creative ways. We have a a man who has a sports talk radio show in Long Island who goes live on Sportscaster during his radio show every single Sunday night. I communicate with him. We've had him in the office. He's a wonderful guy and an amazing interviewer. 
I'll, I'll give him a special shout out because I really think he's great. His name is Mark Rosenman. Every Sunday night, he is on the air. You can listen to him in your car on the radio, or you can interact with him live on Sportscaster. He's really a very thoughtful interviewer. And it's been very genuinely pleasant to see him use our platform because he's sort of that personality that fits in with our entire ethos, which is honesty and integrity and just having a a good time around sports together. Another use case we've seen is there's this guy in Calgary. He's got a wonderful, beautiful family with two kids. And every week, he and his sister, they go live and they talk about the Calgary Flames. And even once the Flames uh, didn't make it to the playoffs, they continued going live. They invite friends onto the show and they stand in front of a computer screen and go really, really deep with some extraordinary hockey knowledge. He calls his show The Freezer. His name is Stacy Shaken. <laughs> I'll have to admit, I get made fun of every now and again in the office because Stacy and I have actually developed somewhat of a friendship just by emailing back and forth. So in that regard, I, I, to answer your question, I don't think we've seen anything yet that has broken the boundary of what we expected people to use this for. We've seen some really passionate sports fans use the application and just talk about sports. I want to segue into the the reward portion of this, the, the fan chain aspect or component of the ecosystem. Because up until now, we've been talking a lot about the sportscaster component, because I feel like that's an important foundation to lay in order to then have the context for the fan chain component. But but I want to ask one more question before that, before we talk about that. So do you have, do you get user feedback? And what are some of the criticism or uh, requests that you received from your users where they said, you know, I, you know, this isn't working very well. I think you should change this. Uh, I'd really like to be able to use this feature, but it's not working right. And, and have, have there been any you know, good user feedback which you've received? To be quite honest, the user feedback we have received thus far has pretty much been <laughs> across the board very positive. Look, we're, we're, we're young a young app, you know, you noted before that we, ha- this is not a, a fly by night operation and that we have been around for a while and established ourselves. That having been said, while perhaps on the cryptocurrency timeline, we have been around for a while in the development cycle, we're still very young. So we haven't gone out with any sort of intense marketing campaign to get tens of thousands of users or obviously, ideally more. And to that end, we haven't been pushing terribly hard to give a feature set that is more robust than we need at the moment. What we provide right now for our users are studio quality graphics. So you get a score bug at the top of your screen, a customizable lower third at the bottom of your screen, and a really cool looking live chat that you can interact with on the side of your screen. And to this point, that has been very sufficient for our users. Over the past several months, we've built uh, leaderboards and new discovery channels so that new users can actually start getting some followers. But to this point, I, I, I think it's probably unfair to say that we've had the massive users 
um, required to start getting that sort of feedback where they say, hey, I'd really like to see this. I'd really like to see that. And, and I think a lot of that goes back to our leadership, which is really spearheaded by Kevin and Pete, who have, you know, they've been around the block so many times now, specifically with digital communities. And, and as Kevin is wont to say, there's no point in creating a second room until that first room is full. So the roadmap that we've been following thus far in regards to our development cycle has been one crafted by a, a team of people who have been there and seen that before. So we've thus far given our users pretty much what they're looking for. So let's talk about the fan chain component. There is an ICO happening in approximately 23 days, I believe. In, is that right? Approximately? We'll, we'll be announcing the, the, the final schedule for the token offering uh, within the next 7 to 14 days. So let's talk about the how the token is used and how the token is going to be incorporated into this uh, ecosystem. So first of all, there's tips. So a user can tip another user uh, and give them tokens. Is that correct? It is correct. Yes. The, the way I, I like to think about it, yes, you can give tips from, from my experience and, and our experience as a team seeing uh, which platforms do this correctly and which platforms falter. Tips are nice. The digital gifts are much nicer. What we think the power of these digital gifts are is something very, very simple, something very personal and something very meaningful. I, as a viewer, say to you, the broadcaster, I appreciate what you're doing. I'm going to send you something as a reward, and that's going to flash across the screen. And in exchange, you look into your camera and say in a very sincere way, thank you for that. So I like the tipping idea, but uh, as a group, we, we love the digital gifting idea. But would it be possible for someone to professionally do this and to have such a large following that he can earn an income or a salary from being really good at announcing and just off of tips from that he receives from his followers? Fan chain tokens are designed for viewers to reward the commentators who they really love. And Sportscaster is the first place that will distribute and accept fan chain tokens. But one of the projects that we are currently working on that will be available in the near future will be fanprizes.com, where I can take the fan chain tokens that I've earned as rewards and use them towards sports merchandise. So when I'm talking about the New York Knicks and Angelo rewards me with fan chain tokens for talking about the Knicks, I earn Knicks tokens that I can use towards Knicks merchandise at fanprizes.com. So in one sense, the simple answer is yes. And in another sense is we're developing a new ecosystem where those rewards are very specific to the team that you love, the team that you talk about. So there are a number of other live streaming type of platforms out there. There's the ones that the very popular ones, like, for example, Twitch, which is specializing in gaming. So where users play video games, they can stream their game and stream also the audio while they interact with other members of the community. 
But Twitch also has other communities besides just online gaming. And there's also a couple other platforms like YouTube you can live stream. But I don't think YouTube specializes as much in online gaming compared to, let's say, Twitch. It has like a unique user base. And then, you know, you mentioned Live.me and YouNow, which are some of the smaller ones. And they also have this like digital gift economy. So where where have you guys looked uh, for inspiration and as as models for your digital economy? And what other platforms do you think do it right? Like there's, you know, World of Warcraft and there are a number of other platforms out there with, you know, built-in digital economies. And can you comment a little bit on some of these other platforms and how your platform is similar or different to those? We've looked everywhere. First and foremost, if you don't do your homework, you're not going to complete your assignment. So we, we've put in a lot of time and energy in examining the details and, and as much as uh, we're able to, the inner workings of every platform that we can come across and whether we're learning something that they've done that is really positive or we're recognizing something that we think is a mistake, we're pretty darn diligent about undergoing those investigations into the marketplace. We love you now. One of the first things that we really dove into was you now, even long long before the whole uh, props thing. For listeners fact, out there who don't know the props thing, can you uh, give us some background on that? Prop, props is the, uh, the, the, the digital currency. Prop, props is the cryptocurrency that you now have, has uh, developed. I, I might be saying that uh, a little bit incorrectly, but I do encourage anyone who's listening, go check out what props is doing. There's a lot of very interesting stuff to read, sort of both on the positive and negative sides. But first and foremost, to address the question of what platforms and really supported digital ecosystems of currency, digital gifting, you now was, was one of the best that, that we came across. And, and a personal story, I was, had been unfamiliar with it until Kevin showed it to me. I want to say a little over a year ago. And I understood very, very quickly the power of this digital gifting economy. I signed up for an account. I watched a teenager playing piano and decided to test the digital currency, the digital economy. And I sent a gift, I don't know, a digital teddy bear or something like that. And the kid stopped playing, looked into the camera said my username and said, thank you. And at that moment, it was just the, the light went off. For me personally, and, and I think for a number of, uh, of us in the room, that was, you can never do that before. I can't tell Bob Costas how great I think he is. I have no way of doing that. And Bob Costas will never look through the camera and tell me, Nick, thank you for appreciating me. So you now was absolutely a, a model of someone who was doing it right. We've, of course, looked into how YouTube is approaching this. A candid comment, I think that since they are backing in to this sort of economy, this sort of ecosystem, I think it's more difficult for them to get a grasp on how to execute it properly than it is for someone like us who's smaller, newer, more agile. I think that's a very common thing. Uh, anytime you get 
one of these established entities with millions and millions of users to try and embrace, uh, try and embrace something new is difficult for them. Uh, I think Twitch has done a good job of approaching this. I think they've rolled out their digital economy ecosystem gradually and carefully. And I think they've done so pretty darn well. Overall, I think that this isn't where the industry of digital streaming consumption is going. I think it's where it already is. So I'm, I'm, I'm super confident about the fact that we get to be young and we get to be agile in this marketplace and we get to learn from all of the really good things and some of the bad things that other the, that the other players in this marketplace um, have executed. So what is the right balance that needs to be struck in this digital economy and what factors are at play? Because people such as myself and listeners maybe aren't familiar with the digital economy. So what, what do people like about it and what are you trying to, what factors need to be emphasized in order to say this is a great execution of, you know, a digital economy ecosystem where all of the players who are interacting with the system are incentivized, have the proper incentives. So you want, you know, people to be able to see a performance and reward someone and be able to set a right price for the reward. And then, so what are the, what are the factors at play and, and how do you make, what, in order to make it successful? The users will tell us. We'll start sprinkling the features in and we won't bombard them uh, as we've often recognized in other applications and not, not specifically even streaming applications, but, but many platforms. I mean, how many times we all remember when Google tried to get us to join their social network and everyone got pissed off because they beat us over the head with it. It's, it's important to us that we consistently develop incrementally depending upon what users like, what users don't like, and every now and again we take a guess. But at the end of the day, if the community is not deciding ultimately what is in the platform they're using, we're not giving them something that is useful to them. So there's another component we haven't touched on yet, and that's uh, subscriptions to channels. So if you're a listener, you can subscribe to a user's channel like you can on, say, YouTube, and then you can have premium content, which is only available for paid subscribers. Can you talk a little bit about that? And who will, will the users then be able to monetize their content through premium subscriptions or, or how will that work? So the, the idea as we move forward and when, as we look six months ahead or ideally six years ahead, because we've really built this to be something sustainable. And this is, if this could be our life's work, we'd all be very happy with that. We want this to be a platform where the users have the ultimate choice, the ultimate flexibility. And we want to, as much as we possibly can, not be gatekeepers. So we are, of course, aware that certain types of perhaps more high-profile users are going to be very attracted by the more closed ecosystem, subscription-based, exclusive content model. So that will be available, absolutely. And 
whether you're an average user or whether you are a superstar, you are going to have the same access to that capability. Ultimately, though, if the user wants to have it free and open and just wants to rely on digital gifts, we absolutely provide the platform for that user. And if the user is, as we have spoken to a number of different, very high profile potential users, potential partners, if they would like to have a channel on Sportscaster that is somewhat sequestered from the free and open ecosystem, they will have the ability to do so. Ultimately, it's it's a marketplace, right? The users can come on and they get to create the community in which they would like to exist. The more we can democratize Sportscaster, and such is the reason for the fan chain integration because it enables us the flexibility to do so, that's exactly what we will do. At the end of the day, the users decide the features and the users decide the features that they themselves turn on and turn off. I want to go through a couple really quick questions and you can just give a quick explanation of what these features are of the platform. And we'll go, we'll run through them really quick. So first there is the fan exchange. Can you just briefly talk about what the fan exchange is? When I go live on Sportscaster and I'm live commentating the Knicks-Celtics game, what I'm earning as I'm receiving digital gifts as rewards from my viewers are both Knicks-stamped tokens and Celtics-stamped tokens. So me, personally, as a Knicks fan, I might not have a lot of use for my Celtics tokens. That's why after the game... I'm able to go to the fan exchange and find someone who wants Celtics tokens and wants to offload Knicks tokens, and we exchange. So there'll be a number of different tokens on the platform, and each team hypothetically would have their own token, and there'll be a way to exchange tokens from one team with, with tokens for another team. Exactly. So next is fan pay. Can you give us a quick uh, overview of what FanPay is? FanPay is essentially the sort of PayPal-like system that third parties can integrate into their platform so that they can accept FanChain tokens rather than any uh, form of fiat currency or otherwise. The Fan Wallet. What is the Fan Wallet? From the name, I'm guessing... My understanding is that it's a place where a user can store all of the tokens that they've earned through the platform and of all the, of, like we mentioned, each, each respective team's token. They can have a wallet where that shows all the, all the different tokens that they have that are part of the ecosystem. Precisely. So our designer, Dakota Berg, along with the rest of the development team here have, have, have built this <laughs> really great looking wallet that will tell you exactly how many of this team's token and how many of that team's token you have. And something very interesting about the fan chain token, which is the one of the primary reasons that blockchain was so useful to us, is while these tokens are in your wallet and being used within the fan chain ecosystem, they come with team-specific metadata. So you have Nix tokens, you have 
Buffalo Bills tokens. You have Calgary Flames tokens. So long as these tokens exist within your fan wallet, within the fan chain ecosystem. If you're to move these tokens outside of the ecosystem, let's say onto an exchange, then they become stripped of their team-specific metadata and they are ERC-20 compliant tokens that you can use on any exchange or you can store in any ERC-20 compliant wallet. And how are fungible and non-fungible tokens used? Is this what you you just mentioned uh, with respect to the metadata that's stored along with that token? Or or when you're referring to fungible tokens and non-fungible tokens, are you referring to uh, the, the collectible items? Well, both really is the best answer. But more pointedly, the way that you presented it initially in that answer is, is exactly correct. So, so long as these tokens are in your fan wallet and within the fan chain ecosystem, they have these ERC-721 characteristics that create a non-fungible scenario. So I have NIX tokens, which may be able to be traded for the equivalent number of Celtics tokens or a different number. So that's where you get the non-fungible qualities. And as soon as those stamps are taken off of those tokens and they're moved out of the fan chain ecosystem, then they become perfectly fungible on an exchange or in a different wallet. Okay, last one. What is the the mint, the fan chain mint? Sportscaster, for instance, is the first mint of fan chain tokens. That means that Sportscaster is simply the first place on the internet that will distribute and accept fan chain tokens. The second one will be fanprizes.com, where you can take your fan chain tokens and use them towards sports merchandise. And another reason that it was both crucial and really wonderful for us to put our entire economy on the blockchain is that first and foremost, this ecosystem must be decentralized. So this is not isolated by any means to sportscaster or to fan prizes, but there is now an ecosystem, an economy into which any number of sports entities and platforms across the internet can plug in. So if you have a blogging platform and you'd like to reward your users and distribute fan chain tokens to them, you can apply to become a mint yourself. So it's like a marketplace or a store where you can purchase content and uh, display products for sale in some way. Well, I think that yes. And on top of that, ultimately, what we are producing with the fan chain ecosystem is the space where you can be creative and distribute the fan chain tokens, tap into the ecosystem in any way that you think is going to be ultimately rewarding to your users and do so in a sports-friendly and team-specific way. What is next on the fan chain roadmap? So what are the upcoming dates that you have scheduled and what are the upcoming releases that are going to be happening in the next uh, couple months 
what should we be looking forward to? The most critical dates, of course, I'm sure everybody is interested in the token offering. So we're going to have our full schedule announced and released next week on the token offering. We are partnering with Fantasy Gold Coin Arena, with whom we previously partnered to bring you the Dragon Ball Fighter Z tournament last weekend on another event next month. That's going to put our first screen experience where you have the commentary overlaid atop the main broadcast all in one screen. And by fall, we will have the fan chain ecosystem fully integrated into Sportscaster, which is the first mint. And we will call that finally version 1.0 of Sportscaster. Well, we're looking forward. We will be looking forward to following the project and seeing it develop and the milestone of 1.0. We know you've been working very hard uh, over the past years. How long has it been years since you guys started it? When, <laughs> when was the first uh, date? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I guess we have to talk about it in the plural. I, I suppose the, the ideation process began in the spring to summer of 2016 with real legitimate development occurring uh, not too much more than a year ago. Well, we're happy to see uh, the progress you guys have been making, and we're also excited to follow the development over the next months and years. We want to thank you, Nick, for coming on the show and talking about uh, Sportscaster and FanChain. It was a pleasure having you. And, you know, we're really excited about your project. And uh, we'd love to have you back on again to discuss new developments as they arise. Is there anything else that we should talk about that we haven't mentioned yet that users may want to know or listeners who are interested in following the project may want to, would be interested in knowing? can always check out FanChain.com. That's our main hub, of course, where you can find the white paper and all links to our social assets. We are no longer on Medium, moving all of our blogging assets over to LinkedIn, which actually has a pretty terrific publishing platform. Otherwise, we're very active on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, the rest. You can reach out to me personally, Nick at sportscaster.com. Love getting emails from real people. And I'd like to say to you, Angelo, the pleasure is all on this side of the table. And I'll come back any time that you will have me. My guest on the show today has been Nick Shupak, VP of Community at Sportscaster. Nick, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Bounty Zero X podcast. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast below. Check out BountyZeroX.io, the number one bounty hunting platform where you can complete work and earn cryptocurrency. Please consult your professional financial investment and tax advisors before making any investment in initial coin offerings. Bounty Zero X does not provide investment or financial advice and does not endorse or recommend investment in any ICOs advertised on the Bounty Zero X podcast or website.